All right, so we've been in a series called Summer Sound Bites. It's been so fun to explore these one-liners that get taken out of context so frequently. And we've been fighting to make context, do you guys remember it? To make context king. Context is king, and we do this by how? Seeking the king. So we're seeking God and we're figuring out the context so we can really know what scripture is saying, how to apply it to our lives. And today's no different. Are you guys ready? All right, today's soundbite is from Matthew 5, verse 48. And it is, therefore, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. If you're anything like me, you hear this and you're like, I'm not perfect. I made mistakes this morning, last week, 10 years ago. If the call is to be perfect and I'm not perfect, what do I do with that? How do I move forward? And I think we can respond in a couple of different ways. One, we just run off and we're like, well, if I can't achieve it, I'm not even gonna try. So we're like, well, thanks for grace because I'm just gonna use that a lot and not really try to be perfect. The other side of this is that I'm going to fight and will myself and white knuckle my way to try and be perfect. I'm gonna perform for God. I'm gonna do everything I can. I'm gonna tell you that that will end up with a stumble and a trip and a fall because we're not perfect. And then in the midst of this, there's probably this roller coaster of emotion of shame and guilt and disappointment. And I can't tell people about what I did because they're gonna know I'm not perfect and I'm supposed to be perfect. And this guys has seeped its way, not just into culture, right? One mistake and you're done, but it's in the church. It's sitting in our midst. I grew up in the church and I felt this pressure. It wasn't blatantly said like, you can never make mistakes, but I took it on. I wore it as like this badge of like, oh, I'm perfect. I'm just gonna put on this great little facade and pretend. And I'm gonna tell you the root system of all these responses is something called perfectionism. And by definition, it is the pursuit of being without error. And in our natural brains, we're sitting here and we're like, Haley, it's not possible. I can't be without error. So why do we chase this? Why are we after it? Why is it in the church? Why do I wake up every day and I'm like, okay, I can do it. I'm gonna make no mistakes today. I'm gonna get through it. And then probably by like 6 a.m., I get up early. I'm like, oh, whoops, already. We'll try again tomorrow. And we get in this cycle with us. And perfectionism is driven by our desire to not fail and to not be judged. Everyone been judged? You know that judgy person? You're just like, oh, I can't ever tell them what's really going on in my life. You feel those judgy eyes coming at you? It just happens. So we're driven to not be judged. We're driven to not fail. And this is gonna take you down a spiral. So let's talk about this great spiral called perfectionism. It's gonna lead to procrastination, avoiding challenges, rigid all or nothing thinking, toxic comparisons, and a lack of creativity. Does that sound like fun? This is great. I love perfectionism. Takes me to these beautiful places. Keep walking that road, you're gonna end up depressed, anxious, with obsessive compulsive disorders, eating disorders, and they even say potentially suicidal thoughts. 
You're walking this road. And under perfectionism, unconditional love is not a thing. Your love is dependent upon your flawless performance. So I'm not loved unless I'm perfect. And this is gonna put you in an incredibly isolated place. So every year, 60,000 people are diagnosed with perfectionism. And that's just the people who are getting help. Think about all of us, I call us functional perfectionists. We function in the day-to-day, we hide it, we keep it to ourselves, but we ride this roller coaster of shame and guilt and I'm gonna try again and then I'm gonna fail and I'm gonna keep it secret and I'm not gonna tell anybody. Anyone else? Anyone else feel this pressure that we're living in? It's tight, it's uncomfortable, it's not fun. And this is completely against God's kingdom because he's a God of unconditional love and he invites us in to be part of the family, part of community, right? That was my story. I stepped in and I was part of community. So let me tell you my face-to-face moment with perfectionism. It was great. I went to missions training school in Mozambique, which is a nation in Africa in 2015. And I showed up, I was like, oh, they're gonna teach me how to be a missionary. This is gonna be so cool. I had my notepad and my pens and I was ready to learn. And I show up the first day to class and they're like, so we're like gonna worship for like two to four hours. And uh, really these, these three months that you're here just for you to spend in God's presence. And I'm like, can I get the like 10 how to's of how to be a missionary? Can I get the steps? Cause I'm, I'm ready to perform as a missionary for Jesus. I'm here to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be perfect. And very quickly, guys, I began to unravel in my time at mission school. And God, every day, would stir up something new. And I'm like, oh, okay, gotta work on that. So this day that I'm talking about, back in 2015, is no different. We're in class and I'm starting to get the hang of it. I'm starting to learn how to sit in this place of love with God. And not the like little bit of love that we're comfortable with, the 20 to 30 minutes of worship of love, the five minutes of Devo in the morning. Like the, okay, God's love is unconditional and it's kind of uncomfortable a little bit, but I can sit in it for a little more than five minutes. So I'm in this encounter, worship's going on around us and a preacher gets up on stage and starts yelling into the mic, be holy as he is holy, over and over and over and over again. And I come to this like screeching halt in this encounter with God and I'm like, excuse me, you can't say that. We're not holy. We can't be holy. God is. God's real cool. He's like this perfect being. He's set apart, which is what holy means. He's this perfect thing. But I can't be that. I actually have a really critical view of myself and you're telling me to be holy. And that's not even biblical. But it is, guys. It's in scripture. But in that moment, I'm like, "Mm mm-mm, you can't do that. And I'm just starting to do the thing where you're like peeking at the people around you, like anyone else having a problem with this right now? And everyone's like, yes, we're gonna be holy as he is holy. And they're sitting there like, Jesus, what are these crazy people doing? What am I doing here? I can't be holy. And I had such a hard time with this. So the moment continues. It was great for everybody else. I'm just sitting there frustrated. 
because I'm looking at this perfectionistic pursuit that I'm living in and I'm stuck. I'm stuck. And I think we're stuck as a church, big C church, church at large. I think we're stuck in this perfectionistic pursuit and we gotta get out of it because we're not pursuing perfectionism for perfection's sake. That's not the point, that's not the purpose. So let's unpack, let's break down this scripture, this soundbite. Two things first, one, today I'm talking to believers, people who are already followers of God. So if you're not, if you're listening, if you're with our online campus and you stumbled upon this video or you stumbled into the church today, and you're not already following God, keep listening because you're gonna hear about this big kingdom of heaven and this Jesus guy. You're gonna gonna hear a bit about what this is. And at the end, you're gonna have a chance to step in and be part of this family. It's gonna be great. You're gonna wanna say yes, hold on to your hats. Second thing is I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is 100% free. Say it with me. It's free. free. Amen. I agree with you. Perfectionism is going to war against that this morning, but we're going to keep pushing that aside. So salvation is free. What we're talking about this morning is on the other side of salvation. So once you're saved, you stepped into this new reality, this new set of possibilities, which is what we're going to talk about today. Cool? Cool? All right, let's do this. I'm going to read that sound bite one more time. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your heavenly father is perfect. We're gonna define a couple things. One of them is this word perfect. If we're supposed to be it, let's understand it. It's a word called teleos. It's used 19 times in the New Testament. And in every situation, the definitions in your notes on the app, it is completeness in growth of mental or moral character. It means being of full age or maturity. So perfection, being perfect means you're mature and maturity means you've reached your full potential. You've gotten there, right? You've reached the max you can do. And this is what God's calling us to walk in. So we're gonna get nerdy for just a quick second. I love the word because there's so much depth beneath it. So the Bible was not originally written in English. It was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And when things get translated from language to language, if you've ever been anywhere cross-culturally, things just miss, especially jokes, cultural isms, they just don't translate. I'm queen of doing that on trips. And people are like, nope, she's not funny. I'm hilarious, I think so, but not everyone agrees, but that's fine. So this word in this sentence, be and is, are actually the same verb. Be and is are the same verb, but they're used in two different tenses, which completely changes their meaning. So this word is, let's talk about God first. God is perfect is something called a present indicative. A present indicative. And that means that it is already in existence. It's concrete right now. So God is perfect. It's already established. And we know that because the Bible tells us he is unchanging. 
So from the beginning of time, he was and will continue to be until forever. And forever is a great place. We're gonna get there one day. The second part of this, the B, talking about us, is a different tense. It's called a future indicative. And you're probably, probably already filling in that gap. Future indicative means it is not yet. It's coming in the future. But the really cool part about this tense, the reason why this is so nerdy, is because built into the tense is the requirement that it takes to get to that destination. And it is a repeated action. So a future indicative says, there's an action you need to repeat over and over again to get to this destination. So when we look at this scripture, it's saying, there's an action you need to do multiple times to be perfect, just like God already is perfect. Is that making sense? Okay, so we're in process. God already is this beautiful thing called perfection. So we are making context king. Context is king. So we're gonna press back. There's an action we have to perform. Let's go figure out what that action is. Does that sound good? All right. We're looking at a section of scripture that is three chapters in the Sermon of the Mount. This is where Jesus is chilling on the side of a mountain talking to a bunch of people and he's giving them the list of moral standards that they're supposed to live by. Now, the most beautiful part about this is that God isn't just saying, here's the surface actions I want you to do. The performance, the perfectionism, here's your 10 list of 10 things. That's not what he's doing. He's drawing it deeper to our hearts. And he's saying, there's an internal change that I wanna do in your life so you can live out these surface actions. You'll only live on the surface of trying to do this yourself for so long. Perfectionism, where we started, right? So Jesus is drawing the heart forward and he's saying, I want to invade your hearts. I wanna do this work so you can live this out. So knowing this, let's go back and we're gonna start in verse 43 of chapter five. It says, you have heard that it was said, this is Jesus talking. Hey people listening on the side of a mountain, you've heard you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. We're gonna pause there for a second because this is really important. So we're gonna define some of these words. This word love, this is another moment where translation has lost some depth. There's five different words for love in the Bible. But every single one that we look at is just love. This one is something called agape love. Can you guys say agape? Agape. It's a really special kind of love because it's not the emotional, the feeling type of love. It is of the will and choice. So by definition, agape love is the steady intention of the will to another's highest good. So by this love being an action, one person is calling another towards their highest good. And for us, this means our identity in Christ. So this is the love that God has for us. It's the love he has for everyone who's listening to this with our online campus, sitting at home, driving in your car. God's agape love is for you. Everyone here, God's agape love is for you. And it, he calls you to your highest good. That's what he's doing. So this is the love God's talking about here. 
Now let's talk about the flip side of this, hate. I think we all know what hate is, but let's just define it anyway. It's passionate dislike, intense hostility and aversion or disgust. I think that's all over culture right now. Hate's free. It's all over the place. Don't partner with it. It's not fun. All right, now let's talk about neighbor and enemy. So back in this time period, people congregated together. They lived in communities based on commonality. Whether it was ancestral, like, hey, we're all family, or it was religious affiliation. So some places of the nation live that way, but oftentimes our neighbors are people who don't even look like us. But back in this time period, a neighbor was someone who was common to you. You shared things. And an enemy is someone who hates you, is opposed to you, is far away. They're not in the neighborhood, right? So this verse, what, what the people of God think they're supposed to do is love those who are common and hate those who are different or opposed. Reject them, dislike them. Doesn't this sound like the church? We've huddled in. We've tucked ourselves together and we're like, let's just love each other. And all those crazy people out there can just stay out there. But the best part about this is this was never God's instruction to his people. Part of this statement comes from the Old Testament and the law that was given to Moses and it's love your neighbor as yourself. The second half of this hate your enemy was never said but it's like a bad game of telephone. Did you guys ever play that as a kid? Like you start out with one person and you say this thing and then by the time you get to the end of it, it's a completely different sentence. This is what's happened. God's like, hey, Israel, my people, love your neighbor as yourself. And they're like, got it. Pass through, pass through, pass through. They get over here and they're like, we're gonna love our neighbor and hate all you guys. And God's like, no. You've gotten off track. Israel has lost sight of something so important that God established in the very first book of the Bible. Genesis 12, God's talking to Israel, who his, it's his chosen people. And he's saying, I've called you to myself so that you will be vessels of blessing to every other nation. So if they're supposed to be the ones that blessing flows through and they're living in their little cocoon of safety with each other, they're hating the world around them. How are they going to reach them? Not very well. For us as the church, if we've cocooned ourselves, how are we going to reach the world around us? Not very well. So I think we know what we're talking about. Let's read this entire passage starting in verse 43. Jesus is talking. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. We're called to pray for them, guys. And not pray for their like destruction and stuff. <laughs> Don't go all David on us. Pray for their call to their highest good. Pray for them. That's what we're doing. Verse 45, that you may be sons of your father in heaven for he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet your brethren only, 
What do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Poor tax collectors, they're getting picked on. But it's true. They only love those who are paying them, their neighbors, their friends. Therefore, our sound bites back. You shall be perfect just as your heavenly father is perfect. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm calling you, my people, to move with mature and perfect love. Be mature and perfect through the action of showing agape love to your enemies. The world's not gonna do it, but I'm calling you to this incredibly high standard because it's important. We're gonna talk about why it's important in just a second, but the standard is high. Do you feel that? There's a lot on the line for this. It's so important that we grasp that. So I think we've made context king. Now let's shake things down. Why does this matter? Why is this important? Why are we pursuing this thing that's confusing and difficult? It's important because Jesus showed up a really long time ago and he lived a life and he had a ministry and he died and then he did this really crazy thing like raising from the dead. If you haven't heard about it, you should go read about it. Anywhere in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He rose from the dead and he did something through this whole process. He invited the world to himself. So that promise in Genesis 12 that we talked about, Israel will be vessels of blessing, just became real. Now everyone is invited into the inheritance of God. So what this means now that all your enemies who are opposed to you are actually children of God, waiting. They're sitting and waiting to figure out who they are. They're sitting and waiting to figure out their destiny in the kingdom of God. This matters because the salvation of the world is on the line. The second reason why this matters comes from Matthew 5 verses 14 through 16, which happens just a little bit earlier, still in the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is talking to the people and he's saying, you're the light of the world. And as you shine your light before men, as your vessels of blessing, the world's gonna see your good works and they're gonna turn and glorify your Father in heaven. This matters because we've stepped in to this call. We're not pursuing perfectionism. We're not trying to be perfect just to be perfect. We're pursuing this perfect love for a purpose. And it's so the world can see who he is. Again, it's why the standard is so high. Because if we're reflecting God and we're not doing a good job, they're confused about who God is. So let's check and see how we're doing. Barna did a study. Brace yourself, it's not that great. 50% of non-Christians, so these are people we would consider enemies of the church. They're opposed to us, they disagree. 50% don't think Christianity is relevant today. 50% have an unfavorable impression of the church. 50% think we don't have an impact on the community around us. And there's a portion of that that actually think we have a negative impact. And 50% don't even wanna have a conversation with us 
about faith and belief. So 50% of the people we're trying to reach won't even talk to us. How are we doing? I think we've gotten off track. I think we're off mission like Israel was off mission. And we've lost sight of this core purpose of why we're here, to be vessels of blessing and agape love to the world around us. And guys, this is a big call. It's something that God can completely do on his own. This happens like on missions trips and you go to places that are unevangelized, meaning they've never heard the name of Jesus. This is happening in our world, never heard Jesus. And you ask him, hey, have you had a dream about the man in white? This is like a trick for us. They're like, yes, who is he? He comes to me in my dreams. He meets me and he talks to me and he's so much love. God can do it without us. He's God. He is perfect, but he chooses to say, hey guys, come do this with me. It's so much more fun to do things with people than all by yourself. And God is the same way. He says, hey, I wanna do this with you. And he doesn't just say, I wanna do this with you and then like leave you over there. And be like, good luck. I hope you can figure this out because it's really important. No, he gives us everything that we need to walk in this. He fills us with his presence, his spirit that equips us and gives us the gifts, the discernment, the understanding of how to move and how to operate in this. So we're sitting here and we're like, okay, we get it. We're supposed to be on mission. We're being made perfect for a purpose, but how do we do this? How do we start to walk in this? And I'm gonna tell you the, the most important thing, what we're gonna do today is encounter perfect love ourselves. And then what you need to do over and over and over again is continue to encounter perfect love every day. There's always more. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I've loved God since I was four, like sold out for Jesus. Never turned around, never ran too far off track. We all kind of get a little off to the side for a moment, but we need his presence, his perfect love if we're gonna share it with the world around us. It's important. First John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. This is where we're sitting. This is what we're doing. We are loving because he first loved us. We're gonna do that this morning. We're gonna take a second to encounter perfect love, but I wanna give anyone a chance listening. If you ran into this with our online campus and you're like, okay, I wanna sign up for that. Just begin to say yes to Jesus right now. Say yes. If you're in the room and you've never accepted Jesus, begin to say, yes, Jesus, I want you. I need you. I wanna be part of this family, this community, this kingdom of God. It might not make sense, but I believe there's people listening who have been fighting and warring. They've been confused. They've been up and down. They've been chasing things all over the place and they're lost. Maybe even some people who have been believers. Say yes to Jesus this morning. And if you are accepting Jesus for the very first time, we wanna get to know you. We wanna track with you. We wanna follow up and have some time with you and answer any questions. I'm sure there's, there's a lot of gaps in your understanding right now, but I believe Holy Spirit, the presence of God is ministering right now. 
is already stepping in. Because that's what he does. He calls us to himself. I believe right now there's people listening that just have this overwhelming presence of peace and comfort. That's God. That's God. And we're gonna take some time. Family, you're in the room. You can stay seated. You can come to the front. You can stand. You can lift your hands. You can kneel. We're gonna encounter perfect love right now. Maybe close your eyes if you're distracted. Whatever it takes for you to encounter perfect love, you can start journaling what God's saying to you. You can read your Bible. This is a special moment, guys, don't miss it. God's perfect love is here. He's present and He loves you. He's after you. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence to sit face to face. Father, come. We wanna look into the eyes of the one who is love, who is perfect, who is safety, whose provision, whose hope. We wanna look into your eyes. Come on guys, don't miss this moment, focus in. Even if you're listening with our online campus, if you're driving or working or doing something else, come back to this later. But right now, put it all down and just say, Holy Spirit, come. Love invade our systems, reset who we are transform our hearts right now, God. We invite you to do what only you can do. Perfect love, come. Thank you, Jesus. We set down the fight to being perfect. And we lean into your embrace, Father, of love. Where we're strengthened, where we're empowered. Where we're at peace. Papa, this last year was rough and we need your fresh love in a really vital way. Right now, I feel like there's some people listening who are, their mind might be wandering a little bit. Stay focused. If you're in this moment, just stay. Your mind's wandering. That's okay. Bring Jesus with you. Because he's involved. You're thinking about your to-do list. He's in that. He's hanging out with you. Encounter God through what you do every day. Take him with you where your mind is wandering. Say, Jesus, what do you think about this? Maybe you're stuck and you see nothing right now. You're like, I'm just sitting here. Everyone around me is, looks like they're having a moment. Break past that, Father. Right now I break 
the belief that everyone else can encounter God, but I can't, that I just have this block. We break down those blocks and those barriers right now in Jesus' name. Every barrier fall. Perfect love crash through. Even if it's just a moment of a feeling, a wave of peace, it's Him. Welcome Him in. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you, the big creator of the universe, have time for this moment. This is priority to you. You see every heart in this room. You know them by name. And you're calling them to yourself. Thank you for your love. And Father, I ask that as everyone listening walks out of this place today, that this moment has marked them. It's shifted everything. We might not fully understand it, but we take, we take it and we thank you, Lord, for it. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, family. Well, thank you. Thank you for hanging out with me today. This week, this week, do this every day. And I wanna encourage you, do this before you get out of bed. Because once your heat, feet hit the floor, you're running, life gets hectic. So pause, five minutes. That's what we just spent, five minutes. Do exactly what we just did, lay there. I call it star fishing. You just spread out. You just lay there and say, Holy Spirit, come. You may feel nothing, that's okay. Do it again the next day. Because as you keep pressing in, as you do this regular action of encountering God, your life is gonna change. So thank you, family. I love you guys. Be blessed. Have a great week.